This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. From a half a dozen games to a handful of games left for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, last night, they took care of business against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here to talk about that and apparently so much more. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, David Sisboomba, Derek Brandeo. And in the co-pilot seat today... <laughs> We got a Sammy Cam. Uh, I still don't like being on this side of it, boys. But I'm here. Borny's home, uh, tending to himself. How you feeling, bud? A little cold yeah, sweats okay. last night? Yeah, one of those ones where you're freezing but also sweating oh, into your God. eyeballs. Nightmare. I figured I could spare you that today. No yeah. one wants to bring that home to their families. So, you, you know, JB, you're not allowed to get sick. Is that true? Yeah. You're, you're not allowed. <laughs> These games are too big. You can't it's be sick. It's crunch time right now. Yeah. I know. Got to lay it on the line. Well, listen, I'm here as best I can. So, I thought uh, good good hockey. They took care of business. They have home ice yet, Kip, or what? Uh, yeah. I'll say yeah. I'll say yeah. Listen, I, I got to be honest. You know, now that I'm not behind the glass and I'm out from behind the glass to in front of it, I was, you know, tagged in a tweet today that... I feel like an awful producer, Kipper, that, you know, there's some rumors swirling around you. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? You, look, you got a look on your face like you feel a little smug. I, I am older the, than you guys. The, the first line of this article may be, there's a new twist to the sale of the Ottawa Senators, and it includes a former NHL heavyweight. <laughs> oh, Juicy. I mean, I just, I, I can't believe that we've worked two seasons with Kip, and I couldn't tell you what's going on with this guy from day to day. I have no idea. I'm fascinated to hear. You're so, I noticed the gentleman uh, has quite the Greek last name. Yes. Uh, I'm curious to hear your ties, Kipper. And uh, what are you, going up against Ryan Reynolds? Is this why you're trashing the guy? <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> First of all, yes. I just want to say, I love you guys. You know that, right? <laughs> I love course, you guys. Yes, I love you yes. too, buddy. But you guys and you, Sammy, are clueless. 100%. Clueless. Couldn't feel more clueless. So this story from Ottawa, yeah. Bruce Garriott mm-hmm. wrote it, was on Monday. Monday, yeah. That came out. Uh, it's now Wednesday. No, no. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it came out. It, it, it came to my attention at about... 2.57 on Monday, three minutes before we're going on air. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And then the first three, four minutes, nothing. And I'm like, oh, they're going to hit me. They're going to hit me hard here. <laughs> nothing. Half an hour later, nothing. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe not a lot of people saw it. <laughs> and then It I also got, explains why we were like, what you're doing with Bill Burr, and you're like, Oh, Oh my God. Yeah, again, just to, you know, I want to reiterate one more time. I love you guys. But do you think I end up in a seat like that beside that guy just because I happen to be going to the game? Listen, 
I'm feeling like a major bozo. Like I, I, I like I, I don't think I've felt like listen, this is a high bar for me. But I'm not sure I'm not sure I've felt dumber like in the you. last two years than right this moment. I do like you guys clueless. I really do at like, times. That's like the lead story in no, the Ottawa. This is Sun. our audience. How has someone not yes. tagged us in How is this something? the first time of hearing of it? I showed it to Kipper today. I'm like, Kipper, what's this? He's like he looked at me, he's like, do you not read the paper? And I'm like, no, I don't read the paper. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, I don't even want to draw attention to it. Yes. But I got to tell my boys. Yes. I can't have that story out there without, you know, my boys knowing about it. So? So? You buying the sense? But yeah, I'm I, evolving. Yeah, I, you, I got no change. I, got, I don't even have any loose change right now. Um you know what's funny, too, before I kind of move anywhere else? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the story broke about uh, the Apostolopoulos family. Mm-hmm. With the commanders. With the commanders. Yeah. Like, JB, you're beside me, and you're like, you tried three times to pronounce his last name, right? <laughs> and you gave me no help, eh? And I gave you no help. like a mushroom here. I, I changed the subject real quick. Okay, here it is in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. Uh there is interest from the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called to invite me if I wanted to go and just help them understand the culture, the the game, and they know my history and where I've been involved as a player, a player rep, uh, NHLPA, broadcasting all of it. So I I just I just tagged along. That's okay, it. Hmm. that's it. Well, I, if this works out for that family, so this might be like the real sins and born here, or what? Like we're going to cut the Senators <laughs> if you own the team now, or what? Yeah, we're going to be, be doing content in Ottawa. The I've, three of us just I've breaking g- down Brady Kachuk. I've got no other comment. No comment. All no right. comment I from here it. on in outside uh, of what I just said. Yeah, other only other comment is your producer and co-host are bozos. Other than that's the only other comment. <laughs> Let's get you back on the rails. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. I had to ask. In about 40 minutes, we got Steve Valaket, of course, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG, does a great job of, of breaking things down mm-hmm. from the net on out. Of course, it's a hot-button topic right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs because we saw Joseph Wall come back into the mix last night where the Leafs go with Matt Murray. Uh, we're going to get uh, Valley's thoughts on that. And then in the second hour, Ken Weeb is going to join us uh, from Sportsnet, uh, a great contributor, uh, follows the Winnipeg Jets. Big game tonight, big loss by Calgary. <sighs> we'll talk losers. about that as well. Buddy, and, that uh, is unacceptable for them to lose that game. Well, you can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that uh, later. But uh, let's let's start on what we saw last night, a 4-2 victory by the Toronto Maple Leafs, so much I guess, stronger roster than we saw against Detroit. Mm-hmm. And let's start with you, Sammy. You're in the, you're, you're in the JB chair right now. Yeah. Uh, I was happy that Jet Graves, Greaves, he didn't get lit up because they spent a lot of time on the broadcast talking about how he's like a local kid and his dad had to get the night off at the fire hall and his mom and dad were there. And the way it was going early in that game, the first one goes in, Zach Aston Reese kind of beats him and not the best spot. I'm like, oh, please, God, for this kid, don't let it be 8-1. They're just putting him in there because they're trying to tank. And 
for me, I thought he was maybe the story of the game. I thought he was excellent in the, you know, from that first one that went in until the end of the game, I think he was their best player. So I was happy that old jet didn't get lit up too much, but I thought it was kind of a weird one for the Leafs in terms of them controlling the play so much. They really dominated from start to finish, but they didn't get a ton of results, which is something we've seen in the past, but it's hard to take a lot out of it. Don't you think? Like, are you guys thinking either any differently about them after watching that game last night? I don't know. You look at the Boston Bruins, a team that we've praised all season long, and one of the reasons we praise them is like they got that depth. You know, mm-hmm. some days your best guys don't score, and they have these guys that find a way and put them through. And you know, I thought that was a story last night for the Leafs. They just they've got a good bottom six. The Columbus bottom six is like you know an no American neighbors. Hockey League yeah. team. So uh, yeah, I thought they they handled their business pretty well. Got fifty shots on that guy or whatever it was. You know, they you, you wouldn't. 2-1 wasn't awesome going into the third period, but, uh, you know, overall, pretty expected showing, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, they, I, I thought they worked for it. Yeah. Listen, you come out and you got 50 shots on goal. You're pushing hard, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and, and I thought Columbus, outside of uh, the effort from Jet Reeves. Graves. 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 Graves or Greaves? <laughs> I said both three times. So I said oh, okay. I did Leafs talk last night. I did. Boy, Let's just both. go with Jet. 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 Jet from now on. Yeah, a great effort by Jet. Big time. I think the game-winning goal was off Aston Reese's ass. Yeah, it was off some part something. of his nether region. Something. Yes. So a, a a bad bounce mm-hmm. against him. He could have found a way to send the game in overtime quite easily. Absolutely. And that's one of those games where they the Leafs statistically dominate. I'm sure the puck possession, the, all the analytics uh, were heavily in their favor. But, you know, I thought Columbus presented as a, a big, strong team mm-hmm. that fought back, that they didn't lie down and, and, and roll over. Boone Jenner, to me, was was great. I watched Corrali uh, run over Nylander. Mm-hmm. And I, I, thought, I thought it was a, a good game for at least the Leafs to say, it had a feel of a simulation of what could happen in the playoffs. You can outshoot teams two to one. You can have a dominant puck possession, but you could still be in a very close game yep. on the score clock. Well, and Columbus did what you expect teams to do when they're under talented. They pack it all to the inside and say, okay, shoot it from out there, and they challenge you to get in. And, and I think they struggled a little bit at times getting in, but. You know, found a way. Uh, Zach Aston Reese had some funny comments at the intermission where he was like, you know, looking back at my play this year, there's a lot of bad things I regret or something. You know, like he really was all over his play. But he gets two, he gets ten goals on the year. Same as Alex Kerfoot. A couple of good storylines for the bottom six guys. Yeah, Alex Kerfoot scored the only goal Alex Kerfoot can score, which is just like poking it in to an empty net. Like it was a <laughs> seal. <laughs> the puck landed on his stick in the sweet spot, and he was able to poke it home. But yeah, I give him credit. He scored a little bit over the last bit here. All right, let's start with Aston Reese. Two goals last night. Let's get uh, Sheldon Keith. Keith and his thoughts on Zach. He's been excellent. I would say from the trade deadline and maybe even just maybe in a week or two before the trade deadline, uh, he's really settled in. Um, he, he's played a lot of time with camp and those guys have really had a, some great chemistry. They're talking a lot. They know what their expectation is and what we need from them. Uh, obviously he's scored some, some very, just some good goals for us, which has got his confidence offensively really going and scoring the right kind of goals for a guy like him. You know, he's not, 
he's not cheating for offense. He's not getting, you know, odd man rushes or anything like this. He's, he's working for it. He's around the net, uh, whether it's pucks hitting him or he's tipping it or he's, you know, he's finding pucks in the slot. Uh, it's, it's all coming from a really good process of working hard, being above a puck, being physical, all the while giving up almost nothing defensively. And apparently he he only scores goals when the games are broadcast on TSN yeah. and not Sportsnet, well, which they were, means... They were bragging about that yesterday. Well, yeah, great. Well, yeah, I'd rather Matthews TSN's score gonna, <laughs> TSN disappears in the playoffs, so is that bad news now for Aston Reese and Lee fans? It's a great point. Didn't he, think about he, that? He, you're right. done. Oh, yeah, that's it. He's, now he's got he's got ten of them and what was nine of them are on TSN. So yeah. yeah, he's he's hoping that they steal a couple for the playoffs. But I think the trade deadline, like he mentioned there, it's been pretty clear. And I, I'll get both of your guys' takes that like the trade deadline bringing in more bottom six guys in Lafferty and Achari. I think it did a couple different things. Or I'll even go with three. Obviously, it made your bottom six better. You brought in two guys that are they know their role, play in that bottom half of the lineup. It inspired your guys that are already here. Camp has played better since the uh, since the trade deadline. Zach Aston Reese has played much better since the trade deadline. And the third thing is, it's going to be tough for Nyes to get in this lineup now. Uh, yeah, I you know, like it, it takes like, it takes the pressure off of Nyes to come in and be an impact guy. Like, sure, you could think about putting him in the top six, I guess. Like, if you're really desperate or whatever. But like, I kind of find it. Where are they going to fit him in for playoffs? Like, who are they going to take out? This lineup looks pretty solid right now. So I'll get you guys' take on that. But I, it's just been an interesting look since the trade deadline. Yeah, the nice thing is interesting, you know, just because looking at it right now, it's like, how do you take out Aston Reese, who's, you know, on a you know relative tear, and as Keith mentioned, been very good defensively? Everyone's lineup I've seen when they do their, you know, Leafs game one lineup has Aston Reese out and Nyes in. Um, you know, this might, you're, you're right. Give him a little more time to practice with the team and get a feel for things before he jumps right in. Cause yeah, Aston Reese certainly deserves to play right now. So on the topic, before we get into more Aston Reese here, uh, do we have an update on Nyes and how the team's going? And, uh, well, they, they play this weekend. They play Tomorrow, this weekend. Right? They, yeah. Okay, so they, they play, uh, I guess who, I'm not even sure who they play, but they play their first of the frozen four, to, uh, this weekend. Okay. So in, in theory, then we are talking really about one of three games mm-hmm. for Nyes if he comes in. Yeah. And that is, uh, Florida, Tampa Bay or New York. He's going to get one of those games for sure. Yeah, I could see him getting more than one because they're probably, depending on what they've done with the home ice stuff here, like if they, because they're getting pretty close here now, if they start doing a little bit of load management for some of their bigger guys, like we were talking about yesterday with Tavares or potentially Matthews or whatever, that opens up a forward slot where, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play two of the three games when he's eligible to, all three of them even, depending on what they do. I see we have a clip from Zach Aston Reese himself. Should we uh, check out what old Zar has to yeah, say? Yeah, this, this is a debut for Kipper's Clippers, I think. But he had, he had some pretty good stuff to say after the game, so I put this one in there. Um, I think it's just, like, effort and consistency. Um, I know they expect me to be physical and finish hits, and it doesn't have to be blowing up guys every night, but it's just being stiff and, um, you know, aggressive on the puck and um, getting in front of guys, hitting guys. Um, I think I've been doing that well lately, and um, I've been moving my feet and skating, and I think all that stuff is just, um, you know, tying into the production right now. 
for sure he's been able to do the things that uh, should make you successful on a on a bottom six. I, I look at the goals and it's a cherry on top. Yeah. The one thing you got to watch out for with, when guys like Aston Reese, like we can go back, we can look at other rosters today or mm-hmm. even in the last 10 years and just say, okay, you know what your role is as a fourth liner. Mm-hmm. You know what your role is. You go out there, you focus on that. And then if you happen to get a a shot in the slot, hey, try to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Get a bounce off your, your, your skate, make the most of it. But if you are a fourth liner who thinks now that you're going to go out there and start looking for goals, this is where these type of guys get in trouble. Yeah, but didn't that's what Keith said, though, that he hasn't done that, yeah. and that's what he's liked. Yeah. Like, he's scored the type of goals yeah. by being in front of the net like last night. Both of them are just him standing in front of the net and yeah. one landed on a stick, to one bounced though, off of him. Yeah, but, like, to me, Kip, when you're watching him play and he's thinking about goals, let's not forget what his motivations are. He was a PTO player yeah. this year who signed for yeah. 850. He and, wants and a one-way. Ten goals gets you a one-way contract. Yeah, And, and, and a top score. In college. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of college, uh, they play uh, Boston University tomorrow at six at 4 p.m. During That's one show, and out yeah. then, right? Yeah. We're in the one and out. Yep. One and done. Yep. Losing, you're out? Mm, I think so, right? Yeah, at this point, you just might as well root for him to win two games over the next three days and win the championship and call it good. So coming in hot. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, who cares if you get him two days earlier? Just that that long saying for fourth liners right Mm -hmm. crushers that become rushers soon soon turn to ushers (laughs) and that's That's where that's where aston reese needs to be wary to be wary of i agree want to go in against uh, tampa bay what is your focus here to Mm -hmm. find loose areas in the slot or is it to go in there hit somebody piss somebody else off get their focus off, wear somebody down, hurt somebody with a hit. Those are the things that make teams successful in the playoffs. And they seem to love him defensively, Zach Aston Reese. They like, yeah, they just, a- they really, that, you know, a lot of times we've talked about him this year when he wasn't playing this well. And we were always saying like, what is he doing? Like, what has he done to stay in the lineup constantly? And I think it's just, he's really, really responsible defensively. So I think that role is also huge in the playoffs. Okay. Let's get uh, Sheldon Keefe's, overall view of what he saw last night challenging game here tonight right like we have the puck a lot we're getting lots of shots getting lots of chances yet it's a close it's a close game and you still have to be really smart and really disciplined defensively but i think ultimately this is really kind of a perfect game for us in a lot of ways that it, it we had the puck a lot we're in control of the game yet it's still keeping us honest and keeping us you know playing with the mindset that's going to be required here the rest of the way so just what you said in terms of the way that they have to play and the yeah. way that that kind of game is going to be around. Yeah. So I thought you, you kind of nailed that. The, the, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, JB. Actually, keeping us honest is funny because, like, I do find that when they go up too spit on a bad team, they just like, ah, oh, and they shut her down, and that's when they, they blow those games. So it's funny that close games are better for them somehow based on their motivations. Mm-hmm. Seems like we were yesterday. We we're saying, okay, there's about 18, 17 games to go. What do you want to do? What do you want to focus? We are now single digit handful. Mm-hmm. 
not really liking, still trying to figure out the lines. And I know Ryan O'Reilly's coming back and will play against Boston, and now he's slated on the third line with Kerfoot and Achari. I'm a little unsettled on, on the first two lines, and with five games to go, be a little nervous for them. Yeah, even Marner couldn't save Tavares and Nylander last night. Like, he yeah. did not bring them up. They brought him down, I felt. I think he's playing on his offside a little bit. I, I just, I don't like that mix at all to me. What do you, JB, what do, what do they do here? Well, it's a good question. And, like, all their lineup construction right now hinges on Matthews bunting with Yarn Crock being able to be a line. Like, if this, I got to believe they're trying out what they think is a game one lineup here. But, you know, they've played together two games now, those those three guys, against two bad teams, mm-hmm. and haven't produced any goals. So, ah, uh, you know, I don't feel awesome about that. Maybe this is one last crack at that before they say we got to go in another direction. Matthews has the puck a ton on yes. that line. Like, that's what I've noticed when he's playing with those two guys. He's doing so much work it's, on the ice. To me, to me, it's too individual. I agree. Like It's he, not... It, it's no too much. To yeah, there's no one. There's no one he's bouncing the puck off of. He's picking it up. He's carrying it the whole way, shooting it, and then they're kind of hoping for a good bounce. If you, it, my opinion is, if 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 it is Bunting, Matthews, and Yarncrook yeah. predominantly against Tampa Bay, yeah, they lose in five or six. Really? Yes. Why do you think that? It's not a line that's going to beat Tampa Bay. I. <laughs> It's not, and and we just said it. You said it. It's it's predominantly on Matthews, mm-hmm. and I'm Tampa. I got Anthony Sorelli against Matthews. That's your focus, and we'll we'll see if Yarn Crocker Bunting beat us. But I don't think I need to worry about that as much as hey, Anthony Sorelli, you focus on Matthews and. We'll we'll take our chances. I wonder though yeah. if you do have them saying, "All right, Sorelli and Hedman are going to get Matthews." I mean, what does that do for Nylander, Tavares, Marner, or whatever that line look you know looks like? Obviously, it shifts the pressure, but you're hoping to create a mismatch at some point. I imagine the first thing you would do is put a big line against Tavares, Marner, and Nylander, and maybe even O'Reilly, Kerfoot. I don't know, like. It does create some complications for the coach about, like, are we really going to get let Matthews play third pair D? Probably not. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, from the from the Tampa perspective, you put – immediately put Sorelli on Matthews, and then you let their big line go up against Tavares, Nylander, and Willie. Yeah. And then you're kind of – Yeah. Then it's to the bottom six, where so, then you so have now, O'Reilly. So now you got, you got point – you got Point and Kucherov against Tavares and Marner. Mm. I, I like that from Tampa Bay, too. Yeah, it's... Listen, Tampa's really good. Like, I'm just looking at their lines here and how they and, match up. It's and, just... And it's, it's not like Point has to carry Kucherov or Kucherov's got to carry Point. They're going. They're yeah. both going. Marner has to carry Tavares yeah. in this. Yeah. With less than five games to go, unless Tavares hits a switch and becomes this dominant 200-foot center, yeah. which we know is not coming. 
You know, I, looking at the Tampa Bay forward lines as of right now, Sorelli's playing with Maroon and Kalorn. Their second line is Paul, Colton, and Hagel. Like, I feel good about the Leafs' chances down the lineup, but I think I agree with you, Kip. Like, I, I, I think you got to give Nylander back to Matthews. Have O'Reilly deal with. Uh, I actually, if you're going to load up a line, I liked O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner more than I do Willie in that on that line. But yeah, then you have O'Reilly, Kerfoot, Achari, something like that. I just, I, I, you can't leave Matthews on an island like that. We'll see what happens tomorrow night because yeah. we are going to see Bunting, Matthews, and Yarn Crock. That should give Sheldon and the whole management team a better feel, a playoff feel with what that line could be capable of, I think. I'm really interested to see how the Bruins look at tomorrow night because, you know, they've been resting guys and people have been sitting out and, you know, they've been playing some shaky games against bad teams here down the stretch too. Like, they're still winning. They win every game, but, like, they've been, you know, in tight games against Columbus. They almost lost to to, uh, St. Louis the other night. Like, they've been playing tight. They lost to the Blackhawks within the last few weeks, like, they haven't been, you know, winning as they still win. <laughs> Let me just say they still win, but it doesn't hasn't looked as good as it did earlier. So it'll be interesting to see what switch they flip, who they rest, what they're looking like when they put the Le- go against the Leafs tomorrow night. How seriously they take that test. Okay, from I Sammy, we'll go to ahead. Sheldon Keefe on the Boston Bruins. Uh, from what Sheldon sees, it'll take to beat them. <clears throat> no, I don't know if I have. <laughs> frankly, it's it's been. It's just been impressive to watch, you know, to see the, the way the, the players have just done it night in, night out, and the coaches have have uh, kept things moving and, and keeping guys on board there. And yeah, it's been it's been really impressive. I mean, they maybe could host the NHL awards in their building this year. You know, it's it's uh, to me they they should be cleaning up. It's been so impressive all the way through their group and what they've done. They're you know they're so far away from the pack is is uh, impressive. <laughs> Sheldon, quite the line, eh? Sheldon listens to our show. He literally stole my thing. They're the perfect team. <laughs> Nothing could ever hurt them. They're perfect. That's all that is. Just hard reverse jinxing. He's just saying, like, he's effusive in his praise because he's just like, yeah, they're perfect. They're, no one would ever touch them. They're the best. They're yeah. the best. Like, of course I imagine he, nothing will ever go wrong from them no. for them, and if it does, they should panic. Of course he respects them. Like, there's, he's being genuine, but in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm going to go over the top here, right? Like, there's no way that's like, they could host the NHL awards in their building? Really? Yeah, it's great. Like, you can't lose saying that because no. you're, you're, you're respecting them. I mean, yeah. deep down, you do want to jinx them. Of course. Right? Of course. That's an RJ of all RJs right there. <laughs> it's it's, pa- it's uh, Brad Marchand saying uh, he loves Mitch Marner. Yeah, or whatever. My favorite player. Yeah, Marner's my favorite player in the league. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, buddy. Yeah. So, listen, it's going to be an awesome test for the Leafs. Like, I think it's nice for them to not be ending against duds, right? Yeah. Boston, and then next week against Tampa and against Florida, who's – in a dog fight for their life. So it's going to be a good in test a spot for them right now. Yep. Yeah. Steve Alicat will join us in uh, what about uh, 16, 17 minutes to talk about uh, the goaltending here in Toronto and around the league. Sure. How about Rangers, uh, New Jersey in the first round, possibly baby. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. That's going to be good. But your thoughts on uh, Joseph wall. We'll start with you, JB. 
I don't think he was tested a whole ton. You know, not a tough game to get a read on a guy and probably a tough game to play where he's not really under duress. Uh, you know, didn't love the Robinson goal that he just shoots it by him. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I he was fine. His numbers were good, but not one of those games that made me go, I agree with everyone who tells me he should play in the playoffs and he's going to be Jordan Bennington. Yeah, like that first one, he just falls over. He just blew a shoe. He was speed wobble. Yeah, he actually is hilarious. We have a uh, clip of him talking about it. We should listen to it. It's hilarious. Uh, You have that clip from Joe Wall. I can't say that's happened to me before. Um, I wish I could blame it on the skates or something, but I just fell. (laughs) So, (laughs) so (laughs) just uh, yeah, caught caught a rut or something, and tried to make a a save in the midair. Didn't work. So, (laughs) was that an easy one to shake off, or you just like kind of laugh it off? Yeah, I mean, it's not much I can really linger on it. It happens, so I'm just happy, uh, you know, the guy's got a couple goals for me. Yeah. Happy day one. He he looked like a guy that, uh, like any other top kind of goalie prospect that got his feet wet. Mm -hmm. I like him. Just Yeah, I think there's a lot to like. The size, uh, his mannerisms, the way he quietly goes about his business. He looks like he belongs. I don't. I, this is right. anecdotal. I, we'd have to ask McKenna about this, but it really feels like pucks stick to him. Like when I'm watching him play, yeah. like it really doesn't feel like there's a ton of loose change at the top of the blue when there's like a wrist shot from the point or a shot. Like it really feels like he swallows up the puck, which yeah, yeah is very important. Obviously, it just that's completely anecdotal. It's just eye test, but he really does seem solid, athletic, in position. I like him. I like him. But there's still something to be said that would make management leaf fans awfully nervous to put a guy in there in a backup position if anything happens to Samsonov here well then i mean listen they're done anyway like if he if if wall's playing they're like well okay but, either he beats tampa or we're done but, so but championships are yeah. about when when goalies are lost or when uh there's a small window where you need someone to plug mm-hmm. a couple of games is is he capable of it jb I, you know, I don't know that you're going to get any worse goaltending than you got out of Jack Campbell trying to do it last year. Like, I yeah. do have the confidence that he'll make most of the saves he should if you can keep the other team to the outside. It just, it changes the math. You know, you don't get to play the other team 50-50 and help to score more. You have to outplay them 60-40 to give your goalie that benefit of the doubt. So it just puts so much pressure on your team, even if he is fine. Uh, uh, Derek, can we play the Joe Wall, Keith on Joe Wall clip one? Because there's a little part of it that I wanted to see if you guys... Uh, agree with me on it. I thought he was good. You know, he he fall, falls down and catches an edge there in the first goal. Uh, puts himself in a bad, in a tough spot there, of course. But I thought in the second period, you know, there was more action for him. And, and I thought he was he was really good there. Um, held them off the sheet. At the end of the game, he keeps them at two. And when that's the case, we're going to win a lot. Keeps them at two. Yeah. And others it's a Matt Murray can't keep is that, is at that? four. <laughs> others... <laughs> Keep it at four and we lose. Am I reading too much into that? But that just felt way too direct for him to say that. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair observation. Just that, like, as the guy who coaches this team, if my goalie gives up two goals every night, I will not complain. Yes, he's like, yes. two goals, regardless of how they go in. And if you do a somersault in the blue paint somehow, yeah. I, and it goes to that, I don't care. But anyways. I like that. Pressure's on you, bud. Yeah. Keep the goal number down. How about the D in front of him? How many how many shots did Morgan end up with? Nine. Nine shots on net. 
Did he really? Yes, sir. Oh my! He's been buzzing a little bit. I, he I, has been. I would think. I would say it's probably the last five-ish games. He's really starting to find. It's we've talked about it before. It's the decision making and the picking the time to jump up, jump back, and it really feels like he's in a groove with that recently. Uh, all right, we'll get to your comments, JB, after listening to Sheldon Keefe on O'Reilly or uh, on Morgan Riley. We don't have it on Morgan Riley clip. Oh, we don't. Nope. No Morgan Riley clip. So I have O'Reilly. Probably it says checked clip in. right here. Keith on o, uh, O'Reilly. O, O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, right. gosh. No, make the O in. bigger. All right, I'll make. Uh, <laughs> Would you listen? I'm I'm hosting. I'm producing. I got I gotta get the font okay. right for you. Is this? Um, I want to talk. Is, is this though? Is this Morgan Riley now trying to ramp up the last five games to to be more of a threat offensively? Hope so. Is he ready for that? Hope is so. Is he kind of cleaned up? And quieted his uh, his defensive aspect. Now it's now it's time to crank. Yeah, I think you know, so. What do you think, JB? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I've liked him the last few games. Uh, you know, he's hit a couple of posts. He's got you know had a goal fairly recently. I did an article on uh, giveaways and takeaways today, like the ratio uh, between your giveaways and your takeaways. I got to tell you, Ole Morgan doesn't grade out great on the season in that regards. But I still feel like that they've got him slotted in with Luke Shen feels like they can get so much more from him. And, and I just, I'm curious to see if he can be the guy he was in round one last year for them. That would sure make a huge difference if they can have that Morgan Riley. Yeah. It's, I think it's going to come down to even strength minutes versus power play with how many power plays they get versus Tampa or whatever. But it really does feel like they're going to shelter him. The way that they're playing McCabe and Brody yeah. again together, it could, you know, Giordano Hall, Lilligren on the outside looking in right now. I I do get the feeling that it is going to be a little bit less Riley than we're used to in the playoffs. Don't you? 11 and 7? No. No, 11 and 7. I don't want to go I 11 mean, and 7 in the playoffs. They got enough good forwards and everyone's healthy. But it, but it is curious if you have an injury. You know, looking right now, it's Abruzzisi and Simmons are the next guys in. Like, yeah. if you had a forward injury, would they make the switch? Yeah, probably. Um, Why did you feel it was... Uh... Uh, worth putting a clip in of Keith talking about eleven and seven. He was talking. Yeah, we're, we're past that point now. Are but we? we were talking about it was just basically him the effect that it's had on the bottom half of the lineup with like Zach Aston Reese and all those guys. But we've 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 exhausted that conversation, so we don't need to go to that one. Did you want to talk about what almost happened to Mitch Marner? Uh, yeah, we will. But uh, just one on one more on the D, and mm-hmm. that is uh, we saw Hull on the on, on a nice pass mm-hmm. uh, to Aston Reese. Uh, w- Shen will come back in tomorrow night. Yep. Shen's back in tomorrow night. And uh, Lilligren's out? Yep. He's on the outside looking in right now. You okay with that? Is it is it shaping up? Like, let's just say it's a hard game tomorrow night, mm-hmm. and it's a physical one, and you're glad you had Shen in. Does that not almost guarantee a game one start for Luke Shen, a good showing against a physical, strong team like Boston? Yeah. I Listen, I'm on Team Shen in there for game one. I think I would rather the coach not go out there and say that there's going to be violence this time because it seems like the refs were kind of onto that and called every penalty in that first-round series last year. So uh, I think I want Luke Shedd in there. We'll see how the series progresses. But game one, to me, it feels like he's a lock. No, JB, are you on that side or no? 
I am. I what I'm more curious about. So I agree that he probably, you know, if things go well tonight. Whatever, he's a lock. I am curious to know then. Do you make sure that Gustafson and Lilligren have been playing in case you need to go to them if Shen's bad in game one or two, or you want to switch it up on the road or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about having a set playoff lineup over the next ten days here. You know. You don't want to take Lilligren out and say, now you're not going to play until late April, you know, when we may need you. So I am curious to know how much the, they, maybe they do go 11-7 and seven again just to make sure all the D are getting some run. How about the, the layoff on Gustafson? He's been out for personal reasons. For quite some time. Went back home. He's got to get a couple of games here, maybe maybe three or four yeah. of the five to... To really have him as an option, you got to get him back in the, the, in the fold f- here. Yeah, back in the flow, back in the rhythm. Absolutely. I mean, that's a long time away. And last night during warm-ups was his first time on the ice since then, apparently. So he hadn't been on the ice, which is pretty concerning in terms of how much time he was off. So, yeah, you got to get him back in the fold. Okay, let's go to uh, Sheldon Keefe for our uh, last Kippers Clipper on Marner and the close oh, call. So it's Marner talking about it. It's always oh, it Mitch Marner? Yeah, it's Mitch Marner talking about it. I put it on there. It says Marner on the. You're uh, uh, what's wrong? Your lineup's like a what? much like the news on me. It's, it should be two days old. This thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? It could be laid out nicer. Just okay, okay first of all, it's laid out beautifully. Okay, the next show is Ben's show. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay yeah. Ben's show. Yeah. Every day he comes in. Yeah. Quick comment, and I look down at his lineup, and it's beautiful. It's got <laughs> colors. It's so organized. Uh, and it's just like someone actually spent more than five minutes on it. I spend it. at least an hour on this every day, Kiffer. Look at that, people. What's wrong with that? Okay. How nicely laid out that is. Marner on the injury. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I, he's not meaning to do it at all. It's a scary incident there. and. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, right away it just felt weird. Didn't know really what uh, what it was. I assumed it was a skate. Um, but, yeah, obviously when I got back, I just asked uh, our trainers there if there was a cut or anything. Didn't feel like there was a cut. So, um, you know, pretty lucky, but definitely a freak uh, little incident there. Do you wear protective mesh at all down there? Now you're looking at it. I mean, uh, this is, um, you know, I, I got the cut-proof stuff on my wrist, but um, not on my legs or anything down there. So, like I said, it, um, you know, maybe I was lucky. It just wasn't a uh, heavy guy. and. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a free play there, but uh, luckily enough, nothing uh, came out of it. They lose I, Marner. Oof. Our show gets canceled. I listen. The thought crossed my mind that we spend so much time this year talking about the lease, watching the lease, all not just us, Leafs Nation, where you're just investing yourself in this somewhat pointless regular season where you're watching all these games. And it just flashes before your eyes right there. <laughs> like, it was just that moment. I saw it happen live and I went, oh, my God. He got stepped on. And he, like, rolled around for a second because he's probably panicking that he got stepped on. And it's like, they're done. That's your season's over. Right? Like, there's just two inches. It's that's two it. inches. And, you know, and similarly, when Toronto plays Montreal, if Tavares is in two inches different position, yeah. he's probably okay. You know, like it's, uh, there's a lot of luck in this and you got to stay healthy, but not much you can do to control it sometimes. So fortunate he got panned and not yeah. socked no, there. No more games for Mitch. I think he should rest for the rest of the season. No more games. <laughs> no, that's We're not good. the answer. Yeah. That's not the answer. You know what what is the answer? The answer? The, the answer is that uh, he starts to, I, 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 I get a sense of frustration from him the last little while. Mm-hmm. The points aren't there. Now he's with Tavares. Tavares is struggling. Nylander's struggling. Yeah. He, he, is he still stuck at 95 points? Yes, he is. Okay. 
He wants to get to 100. Fair enough. Why wouldn't you? So, yeah. got to get going right now. But the the question is, is, is Tavares going to get an element that he can play 180 feet away from that radius in front of the net where he's so good at? That's mm-hmm. where he's the most effective and one of the best in the league. And he continues to rack up points uh, with that with that area. But... Tavares has got to get a lot more playmaking in his game here. Mm-hmm. And is it up to Mitch to, to to get that going, or is Tavares going to do it himself? Listen, they're asking a ton of them. They're like, they literally took the two struggling guys and like, play with Mitch. <laughs> That'll fix yeah. it. And Tavares he, sometimes gets a puck, and he gets locked in on yeah, shooting. Once he's time. decided he's shooting, no one's getting a, a oh, touch. He does Tunnel that, vision. He does that toe yeah. drag kind of into the middle yeah. where he fires it, and half the time it goes off a stick and off the glass. Like, I just... They got to get him going. I, not even him is more so. It's Willie for me more so. Like, I, I don't know if he's in cruise control towards the end of the season here. But How long again, has it been? Because we were, it wasn't that long ago. We were saying him and Mitch may be neck and neck for how valuable they are to the team. He had it going. Yeah, oh, he, was out of, he was awesome. 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 And it's just JB, gone away. How, how long do you think it's been now? I know the numbers suggest he's got two or three goals in the last... 14 yeah he scored he scored he scored on against ottawa right willie yes he did saturday night he did yeah so i think that was his first like he went nine games i think with one goal and he was and uh eight of them were pointless is there is there's still five games here to to get him feeling good here jb or is there a real concern here well, I actually kind of like, like, he's one of those guys to me that's just, like, too good to be ineffective forever. Like, he's not just done being good, so I don't mind yeah. that it's happening. I'd like to see some flashes here that, that Bill's starting to figure it out. So it's it's gone on a little bit too long. Um, yeah, the couple of good teams down the stretch here. But, yeah, a lot of these guys know it's it's ramp-up time here. Yep. God, I, I couldn't even play in game one with all this pressure building up for three <laughs> months or whatever it's been now. I'd take a 10 off the first draw. Yeah, you'd be Kyle Clifford. You'd bash somebody's brain into the glass two minutes into the game and get a five-minute major. Yeah, Exactly. Okay, we're going to break Steve Valaket, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG. He's going to break down a ton for us, uh, not only with the Leafs, uh, but around the league. Valley, after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper, born and semi- Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy doing a real good job filling in physically. Mentally and emotionally, it's another story. <laughs> another guy who brings it all physically, mentally, and emotionally, Steve Valaket. <laughs> often, what's up, Kipper? Often carrying Henrik Lundqvist on the panel. Oh my goodness! Do you know how much more money I've spent this year working with that guy? <laughs> no, tell us. Oh, it's killing me, man! It's just killing me. I'm in like twenty or thirty grand in suits, and I still can't keep up. <laughs> but going it, to nice dinners too i'm sure he, 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 oh my he's just goodness. a beautiful man just admit it oh my god it's tough it's tough there's no keeping up and i mean i'm bringing it like i've got my own suit guy now i've got new shoes i'm still getting chirped on twitter 
buddy. You bring it every time you're on our show. That's all that matters. Um, how, how are the races for you down the road here? Uh, we've, we're watching Florida get into it. Uh, we're, we're watching Pittsburgh probably giving it away outside of that. Uh, is it... Uh, is it something that you look at and go, uh, is, is it enough right now? Would you like to have seen more? I mean, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Who wants it? You know, that's, that's been bizarre for me, just watching teams not want it, not take it, not, not take ownership on it. Uh, it's been a, troubling that way, just watching it break down. Nobody really wants it. I don't know. It's not like, I don't know. Nobody wants it. I mean, that's my feeling. I'm just surprised nobody's really taken it. Yeah, you know, we've been watching a, a lot of interesting playoff battles. Uh, the Leafs obviously sort of embroiled in their own uh, you know, decision-making, having known where they're going to be in the standings for so long. What were your thoughts seeing Matt Murray get hurt again, uh, seeing Joe Wool get some starts? Are, are you at all a, a believer that Wool could be okay? Do you think Matt Murray can come back and play? What do you make of the Leafs goaltending situation as it currently stands? So Murray's injury, it's a concussion, right? I mean, I saw the play, but that's that's the call on it, or is it yeah. not? It's head injury, yeah, off about head injury. Yeah, okay. I think we're safe to speculate. Yeah, all right. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I uh, I do play one on television. So here's the thing. I We saw this last year when the Rangers played against Ottawa. Uh, if you remember the game, the Rangers were trailing by two, five minutes to go. Kreider scores, but he steps past Murray after he scores a backdoor goal where he was stationary. He wasn't skating into him. And as he stepped by him, he jarred his head back a little bit. It was more of a glance than, than a direct blow. Uh, Murray leaves the game, and there's speculation that he's got a concussion, and it was called a concussion after the fact. Um, but on that play, I'm saying to myself, like, I mean, seriously, is that really – I don't know. I, gotta, I want to give guys the benefit of the doubt, but two things. Either you want to leave the game because you just want to get rid of the game, or you're that susceptible to concussions, which to me both are problematic. And that's what I get worried with. I saw the play. Raymond slides into him, and you know he hits hand, ass, back, then head. Head wasn't primary. Again, I'm saying, does he just want out because he's not having a good night? Or is he really injured right now? In which cases both are bad. So I wonder about it, guys. I got to be honest with you. I mean, I've taken so many bombs off the head of my life and you know what it was like? It was like before games in warm up, guys on their way out. Hey boys, let's warm up. Hank ladies tees on Valley. You know, you think I didn't hear that all the time, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and it was a thing. Like I took bombs. So I, I, jeez, uh, I've been run and everything. I've never got hit and hurt hard enough. But at the same time, if you get one, as I went through with my best friend, Steve Montador, they're so cumulative, the smallest glance can set you off. So that's where the other side of me, not the guy that's in the locker room or having a beer with you guys, is saying, like, I'm kind of worried about him too, you know? We're talking to Steve Vallecat, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG. Uh, Valley. Have you ever played with anyone that's had worse luck than Matt Murray? Seen it? Well, well, no, and and that's why. Look, I know there's there's a thing out there where can you? Okay, a few things. Number one, I remember talking to uh, Matty Nickel, um, BioSteel, a couple sure. of years ago, and he said he said Valley, 
there is no excuse for a soft tissue injury at this stage in the game. We were just talking openly about injuries at the time. Makes so much sense because here's my, my past history with injuries. The only time I ever got injured was when I was coming out of the shower and Jean Guitrodel, there was two guys fighting in the locker room. He was at the Gatorade, didn't see me, and stepped back on my foot. Blade, barefoot. <laughs> I slid on my back into the shower and saw my toes fall off, and just the back of my foot was keeping my toes on my body. All right? And, <sighs> like, that was a three-month, maybe a four-month with two surgeries and career-threatening. And other than that, I never felt like I had a career that I couldn't not be available Right. And I remember actually one injury, having an injury where I was in Toronto and uh, the Raptors trainer came in afterwards and said to me, you know, what happened type of thing. And it was we're playing against it was when I was with the minors because I played for uh, Toronto Roadrunners. We we're there one year and we we're playing against Ottawa's farm, Binghamton. Ray Emery was in that. I remember the game because I thought I was going to have to fight that night. And I moved to my left out of my butterfly and my right knee just went. There was no contact. There was no uh, strain or, or stretch. And I thought to myself, like, am I that sensitive? Am I susceptible? Is, am I going to be that guy right now? And I remember the next day the Toronto Raptors trainer said to me, and we had a bit of a personal relationship because we are sharing the building, he said, you need to be in the cold tub after every single workout, whether you're on the bike, running, off the ice, we do it preventative for all of our players with the Raptors, and we've you know, knocked our injuries down, et cetera. Well, I put a cold tub into my house, so I did it after summer workouts. I had one every day at the rink, on the road. I was in the cold tub every day, and I didn't have a single lower body injury from age 23 to 35. And that's one way of, as Nickel was saying, you know, take care of your body. And you know, maybe this game's not for everybody. That's some of the unknown but there's certainly steps you can take to take, uh, take care of your own health. Valley, I find this conversation absolutely fascinating. Um, and I just want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your, your, your comment. I don't know if it was a throwaway or not, but, you know, you, you, you're asking questions and it's like, does he want out? And, you know, even at this level, are there scenarios where you've even felt like, I got to find a way to get out of this game, whether it is an injury or I'm hoping that the coach pulls me. I mean, is there a way even subconsciously for goalies uh, to manifest maybe an injury? I don't know. Well, Kipper, when you play at the highest level, we all have pretty healthy egos just for us to be able to get there. Let's just call it that. How do you protect your ego? How do you protect it? And sometimes you protect it by, well, I can't lose if I don't play. And that's what I worry about for some guys, especially during their careers, because they're going to look back and they're going to have regrets. Now, I never had the luxury to do that. I just didn't. You can look at my career from the minor leagues. I was a really good minor league backup. That's how I became an NHL backup. It wasn't like I ever had the luxury of being able to pull that move. But trust me, I saw it plenty. And you can't fool the boys. And you've been in locker rooms, Borny, you know, like, come on. Like, we'd be kidding ourselves if we weren't having an honest conversation about how guys stay away from certain challenges to protect their ego, meaning, uh, quote-unquote, you can't lose if you're not in the game. And, and sometimes guys save their careers that way long enough by being frauds. And I'm not saying that about Murray, but I wondered when I saw the clip against, uh, you know, Detroit. And I also wondered when I was covering the game against Ottawa last year, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one, but 
the same time, I'm also worried for the guy because he might be that susceptible too. For sure, which also brings up sort of a related thing. And what I wanted to ask you about is the idea of guys who, I don't want to say they don't try, but save themselves for certain times a year. The great players have the luxury to kind of not push themselves 100%. We see it as soon as this playoffs start every year. Guys find another gear. Right now, Vasilevsky is on a tear. Um, you know, two shutouts in his last three games, stopped 99 of his last 100. Is it possible that this is a guy who's just been kind of playing his way through the year and is looking to dial it up now? Well, he certainly has that luxury. Like, Borny with us in New York, Patrick Kane right now, uh, Panarin, they're not all the way pedal down right now. And you can see the pace they're playing with. And you think Kaner doesn't know how to win a cup? He's got three. Um, the team here in New York has a very recent memory of how hard it was last year to go Eastern Conference final against Tampa and lose and how much it took to get through Carolina and Pittsburgh. And it's a recency there, too, where I'm sure they're saying, all right, we've got two weeks. Like, I'm gonna, I don't even care about these games right now. I don't care at all what happens. Um, but I do understand that these guys would have that feeling. And Shosturkin is no different. He's done the same thing. The best goalie in the NHL, now I did this because it's based on March 9th. That's when I thought he turned the corner. They played a game in uh, Montreal where he looked dialed in. His feet were back under him. He's got big posture again. And I just was looking at my own database. The best goalie in the NHL since that game, when I felt like he really turned it back on, is uh, Igor Shosturkin, best goalie in the league, second best, Vasilevsky. So it's been a few weeks now where Vassie's been right there with Shesterkin, another top two guys in the NHL again. UC Soros is close there as well. But, yeah, do these guys have the ability to do that, either consciously or subconsciously? So that's, I, yeah, I absolutely believe that's a thing. When we speak of Vasilevsky, uh, Shesterkin, uh even Allmark now is in the conversation. How can you not put him in the conversation after the year that he's had they all have a ton of depth up front. Sorokin, on the other hand, is a guy where you go, uh, not so much up front like the other three I just mentioned. Is he in a position now where he can go old school and win a series by himself? Or does the depth, the lack of depth catch up to even uh, his brilliance? You know, you know what? I think it helps Kipper because and Hank and I had this conversation on TV recently where and, and I felt this, of course, but he really brought it home. He's like, I kind of liked playing for the teams that I had in front of me that didn't have a lot of scoring because the game, every goal mattered so much. It's like, I want to feel that level. I want it to be heightened. I want that to tighten my focus. And, you know, he was really emotional about it. And I could get the sense from him that he felt like that brought the best out of him. And I certainly felt the same as a goalie. You know, you know your team's only good for two a night. I mean, I, I'm, I'm one. I'm one or a shutout, and if it's two, we're getting into overtime. But it certainly brings out the best. I mean, anything that kind of – anything that really converges your eyes more on the puck and less with distractions or expectations helps. I, uh, Hank said it, and I, I agree with him 100%. I saw him, too. He dragged – you guys – I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you remember or not, but you guys now, I'll tell you what, 08, 09, 10 – Henrik was going on runs in the last 30 games to get us in that were just absurd, but it was because we were a low-scoring team and every goal counted. 
I've loved getting your take on all this goalie stuff, and I think tonight is maybe one of the best goalie matchups, or most interesting, not the best, but Hellebuck is going up against Markstrom, and Markstrom is supposed to be in that class of guys, these elite guys. I I know you've been watching closely with these guys. Can this guy find it again? Like, what is going on this season that Markstrom is nowhere near one of the um, top echelon guys? I didn't hear that Marky was going again tonight. He is playing tonight? That's last I'd heard that he was going back-to-back, yeah. Wow, man. You know what? Um, he, for a very long time, guys, and I'm talking like six years, to me has been an elite goalie undercover in Vancouver, even undercover in Vancouver before he was uncovered. Because I'll never forget this. Like six years ago, Dan Clucci had called me in the summertime. He knew I had started the stats company. And he was like, look, we're having a little bit of issue here in Vancouver about, you know, Marky and whether or not he's uh, number one or not. And I'm like, man, I, he's like 15 to top 10 in everything that we have. Like, he's absolutely legit. And uh, I know he took that information back there, and we've talked about it since. Um, he's been one of my favorite goalies to follow, cover, uh, clip film for, use as an example with the younger guys that I coach. I can't believe his game off a cliff this year. It only shows me that, and I don't, this is not insider information or anything like that, there's no way he has a good relationship with Daryl. I'm sorry. Like, he is not himself. And when somebody falls off that hard and doesn't look himself and isn't playing, I don't know if you guys saw the goal, the breakaway goal. It wasn't last night's game. It's a previous game two games ago. I was like, he didn't even try. Like, he's not you – can't, you can't tell me that he's all in right now. I think he just wants – talk about getting out of the game. I think he just wants this season to be over. He doesn't look good. One more on your your – the psyche of a goaltender, and that's what we've, where we've been watching Edmonton the last little while, or since they traded for um, Matthias Ekholm, and what that's done to Skinner, and you know your scenario as a goaltender. Can can one guy on your blue line make you feel that much better? Can it improve you ten, fifteen, twenty five percent? Yeah, it sure can, and. Uh... The other way, too, if you have one there that's a distraction that you think you'd rather be playing five on three than having him on the edge. <laughs> get rid of that guy, please, hey, and I'll man, get better. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what. Robert Schnabel, if you ever heard this guy's day before, this guy I played with him at Springfield. Oh, my goodness. Anytime he was on the ice, I'm like, I'd rather just be five on three. I'd rather just play five on three. This guy's killing me. And it becomes such a distraction that you end up pulling the puck out of the net, and you're the guy that pays the price until you wise up to it, it constantly hurts you. I've had that conversation with a lot of goalies, and everybody's got one or two names where they just couldn't stand the guy in front of them. And this, by the same respect, can you play in a game, any sport that becomes predictable, it becomes a lot easier. And as long as when you're in hockey and you're protecting the middle of the ice, and I'm talking about goalie against the pass so they can lock in on shooter, it's the more that Skinner can do that in the game. And, and, and by that same fact, if Edmonton can defend that imaginary line that cuts the ice in two, the same way they're ex- able to expose it offensively and reverse engineer it in their own end, I mean, that's a, that's a cup-winning team. I mean, they're a cup-winning team on paper now. But uh, And, and I, I wonder about the goaltending. It's, it's hard to say that uh, he'll be able to keep it up through a long run as well. Yeah. Last one for me, Valley, is just, you know, potential cup winning teams might meet up in the first round. Rangers, Devils, how do you handicap that series? Um, so, Devils scare me. Um, right off the bat, the Rangers had them last week and had their hands full in the first yeah. period. The reason why they're scary is because they're so fast. 
and they jump you all over the ice. And there are two areas where the Rangers have had difficulty this year. It's through the neutral zone, and it's their power play against a very aggressive penalty kill. And the Devils are really good in those two areas, and they're very good at countering. And uh, there's one thing you can't hide from if you are the Rangers, and you have to know this about yourself going into the playoffs. It's, uh, it's a famous line from Bill Parcells, who was the New York Giants head coach at one point, and he famously said, um, when, you're, when you are what your record says you are, there's total truth in that. And, and what the Rangers are right now is they are 28th off the rush in chances against. And I took a deep dive into this today, and it kind of pissed me off because – in the full season off the rush against the Rangers were 23rd. I'm like, okay, let me just like dial this back to maybe December 5th because that's when the season turned for them. They beat St. Louis in a comeback game after uh, Truba had thrown his helmet the night before against Chicago in a loss. So up until December 5th, I kind of moved my cursor over that it's all right. They were 19th. Okay. And then I went after December 5th, they were 28th. And then I went to March 3rd deadline to, to today and it's 28th. So I'm like, okay, you are what your record says you are, as uh, Bill Parcells said. And that's, that's going to be the key for that matchup. It is can they manage the puck, reduce it, uh, turnovers, and uh, foolishness in the neutral zone. You know what it is, too? When you're up against a really tough neutral zone, I think the teams don't shoot it on the opposing goalie enough from the neutral zone. Off the blocker, low on the ice, hard slapper, because then it's at least going into the corner. It's not as predictable for their D to recover. The Devils just destroyed Pitt last night. I mean, yeah, that's that's another reason to maybe make the Rangers feel a little nervous. Uh, they're fast, man. They're, they're fast. fast. They're fast. What do you guys think about Samsonov? How's he going to do? Well, listen, uh, I, I lied. I want one more question on Samsonov and, and <laughs> out of you. Listen, I, I love talking to you, man. I could talk to you for an hour. We're going to have to break soon here, but one more on Samsonov now that you brought it up. Where does his psyche go knowing that there might not be a safety net? Does that change his psyche, his mindset at all? Well, okay, so number one, I think there's so much pressure and expectation on the team that that now he just knows I have to be the guy. And you know what? Maybe it's better not having a safety net because then you have full responsibility of it. So you're all in mentally and there is no... I, I can get out of this one. Um, there's two things with Samsonov. Um, two things that kind of stand out for me on the scouting report. If these two things don't happen, you guys will be all set. Uh, east to West passes, he ranks 46 out of 47 goalies that have faced 50 or more this season. And on clear-sighted shots when guys get into the slot area, he also ranks 46 out of 51 goalies uh, that have faced 50 or more. So if he doesn't face an East to West or a clear-sighted shot from the slot, you guys are all set. Wow, that's fascinating stuff. <laughs> hey, JB, JB, useful. <laughs> useful, not yeah, useless. I yeah, just, I love it. We, we, uh, we, no, but, uh, well, you know what? And uh, you know, you guys know I listen to you guys all the time. Um, I got to tell you this one. Um, this is a good one. So I'm in my hot I got a hot tub in Vermont. I'm in the hot tub. My son comes out. This is a couple weekends ago. We're getting our last couple of runs of skiing. And, and uh, 7 in the morning, I'm in the hot tub before I ski. And I've got the speaker on, and I'm listening to you guys, right? And he pokes his head out at like 7 in the morning. He goes, hey, Dad, what you doing? Listening to Kipper and Barn? <laughs> <laughs> Proud to be a part of your routine. I'm absolutely sharing that with the boys. That's awesome. Well, listen, big hello to your kid, all right? What's all his right, name? Boys. 
Yeah, that was Dean. So Dean's named after Dean Youngblood, and my older guy, Dalton, Roadhouse. Oh, my God. That's that amazing. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Valley. Right, we'll bring you back uh, in the first round, okay? All right. See you, boys. Have a good one. Ciao. Steve Valacat. That is just, he's awesome. Dean and Dalton are awesome. That's classic. Does a names. terrific job for MSG. As an analyst, and uh, all right, we're going to go to uh, anything else before we go to break, Sammy? Uh, you're, you can go to break if you want. I don't have my headphones back here, but I can talk to you and then JB, talk back to me. JB, you okay? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting um, chatting about the Leafs goaltending, you know, and, and his thoughts on Samsonov and, you know, what they need to do. Um, I, you know, I see a tweet here from my friend, the Oak Leafs, who says that after December 1st last year, the Leafs goaltending was sub 900. After the Le- December 1st this year, Samsonov and Joseph Wall have both been 913, 932, pretty good guys. So I'm encouraged by the Leafs goaltending talk is all. Okay. Uh just a note, I know we're going to go to break soon, but and not that we have to deep dive it, but JB, 0 for 3 on the power play last night. Yeah, but I thought they were really good. I thought they created a lot, moved it around. It looked like, I don't know, they were, they, they were all 5 on 3s, didn't it? 0 for 3, you got to score. Well, I mean, when you're going up against the Jet, it's... <laughs> okay. It's, it's, Trust the, the, process. it's the, the Jackets and the Jet. Um, All right, speaking of Jet. Well, I was just going to say that those two stats that Valley gave us at the end there about the cross-crease passes. Yeah. And, mm. It's not – and that's where Wall is, is way quieter. Do the Lightning like to go side-to-side side on their power play, or is that just uh, – I feel like I've watched that a little bit. Kucherov a little to bit. Stamkos once in a while. There is nobody that can disguise shot a pass. shot pass better than Kucherov. God. That one's going to give – Nightmares. He's still he's still playing, right? He's still on the team. I right? think so. Oh boy, I think so. All right, Ken Weeb's going to join a Sportsnet uh, contributor uh, based out of Winnipeg. We're going to tee up. Speaking of a uh, jet, uh, the Jets and the Flames tonight. Hey, Game Seven for Calgary and Winnipeg. Yeah. More of more of that after the break. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. If there's ever been a game this regular season that uh, comes across as a Game 7... This is it tonight. Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. Let's bring in Ken Weeb, sports tech contributor based in Winnipeg, co-host of the Kenny and Rennie show. This is it, Ken, isn't it tonight for both these uh, hockey clubs? Or It sure feels that way. Yeah, absolutely, Kipper. Thanks for having me, uh, you and Borny. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if it's not a game seven, it feels like it's winner go home here, even though it's not technically that, but uh, the Jets have a two-point lead, but really it's three because they have the tiebreaker. If they win in regulation to put the Flames essentially five back with three to play, that is an awfully steep hill to climb, uh, given the fact that they will only have three games left. So uh, definitely expecting a lot of intensity and urgency from both clubs. And it'll be interesting, Kepler, the biggest question for me, can the Jets deliver the knockout punch? Uh, they were able to get themselves in order with a 12-goal weekend and a couple of wins after a tough stretch, but... 
this is something that, uh, you know, we learn a lot about teams at this time of year, and this is the first opportunity for the Jets to really, they've got their opponent on the ropes, and, and let's see if they can deliver a, a sneaky left to left cross instead of the right hand that everyone's looking for. Well, you know, we're, we're certainly excited about it, and in trying to tee up the game, uh, would love to just get an overview of where the Jets are at right now, how they've come to this point, in your opinion. I, I know at one point a few months ago, it it seemed like they were all but a lock to finish uh, outside or above the wild card spot. So, uh, how did they get here, Ken? Yeah, Borny, it's a great question. Last time we talked, I think I was in Detroit, and the Jets were seemingly uh, battling for first overall in the West, and now they're yeah. scratching and clawing just to get eighth. So, uh, they sort of went a bit sideways in a couple areas. Their goal scoring dried up quite considerably, and we talked about the concerns about complementary scoring at that time, but their primary scorers kind of went cold for a stretch. Their power play. Uh, has been in the futility range of now one for 36, but it's been it's been tough for about two months overall. And even though the Jets got healthier and, and conceivably should have improved their lineup, their their quality of play in terms of their defensive structure kind of slipped a little bit, and uh, their offense kind of dipped. And you know, next thing you know, they're they're really struggling. You know, in the last, you know, they had, prior to the outburst, they had nine goals in seven games, and. No matter who you have in net, even if you have a Vezina caliber netminder, you're putting a lot of pressure in the, on the masked men if you can't put the puck in the net. So uh, they've been a little Jekyll and Hyde here for sure, and uh, we'll, we'll see which version shows up for for this game against an equally desperate Calgary Flames team that, that really coughed up a, a hairball, uh, to, to borrow the phrase of our, of our colleague Elliot Friedman. We're talking to Ken Weeb, Sportsnet contributor, co-host of Kenny and Rennie. Uh, who's got the most pressure tonight going into this game uh, individually for Winnipeg? Would it be Would it be Kyle Connor? Would it be Chifley? Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois? Who's feeling it right now? Yeah, it's a great question, Nick. Uh, basically, all three of those guys kind of had a pressure release. To be quite honest, on the weekend, uh, they had all been struggling to a certain degree offensively. Connor had one goal in 14 games going into Friday's action. Uh, he scored an important tip-in goal and got himself and his legs really motoring. Uh, Mark Scheifele had no goals in nine games and came up with an important goal in, in a three-point weekend. So I feel like he was able to get himself going as he moved to the wing and, and on that line with Dubois and Connor. And then Blake Wheeler got himself going too. Kipper, that was a big thing for the Jets. He had gone through a bit of a tough patch on the road trip, 21 games without a goal. Uh, he had a pair of multi-point games and, and kind of hopped in, you know, to borrow Valley, Valley's uh, term. He jumped in the old hot tub time machine uh, to about five <laughs> years ago and really got his legs going uh, on the weekend too. So that 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 top line has been loaded up, but the, the you know the the, the the under undercurrent to that is that it allowed a line of lot of Vladislav Nemesnikov with Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers to really shine as well. So they weren't just putting, even though they put most of the eggs in one basket. They got complementary and balanced scoring. Out of those 12 goals, 11 were at even strength, and, and they got goals from all the lines, including a fourth-line penalty shot goal from Morgan Barron. So I don't think any of those three are necessarily under pressure, Kipper. But, you know, for lack of a better term, we know what's at stake here, and we know that Mark Shifley was one of the players Rick Bonus was talking about when he needed, when he said he needed more from his top guns. So uh, I would say that it's it's... It's an opportunity for that line to have a bit of a statement game here because we know they're probably going to see a lot of the Lindholm line. And if they don't see the Lindholm line, they're going to see the Cadre line. And we know that after things didn't go well last night, 
uh, I would expect a big game from from Nazem Kadri uh, after a couple of costly turnovers uh, in that tough loss to Calgary or to Chicago. Pardon me. You've mentioned uh, Rick Bonus and his handling of you know Shifley moved him to the wing, but also just like the evolution of Bonus over this year was like ah oh, they brought in like the kindly coach who's been around that everyone loves. To these days, he seems like a pretty frustrated guy. You know what have you seen out of Bonus from the start of the year to bring him to where he is now? Yeah, it's super interesting, uh, Borny. And for those who haven't read, you had a great great uh, column on this topic with Bonus and Paul Maurice and, and the way it's important. And he sort of has changed the way he's dealt with the media. There was a lot more truth serum uh, in the earlier going uh, when the Jets were buying for first in the conference. And I wouldn't say he's taken that kid gloves approach in the second half, but uh, he hasn't, uh, you know, for the horse racing terms, he hasn't gone to crack the whip overly often here in the second, in the second half, though he has had moments where, uh, his honesty maybe gets the best of him, if you will. But uh, I think it's been interesting to see. I mean, this this group has has gone through so much in the last couple of years and, and haven't really gone on a run since 2018. So uh, I think there have been times where his truth uh, maybe hit a little bit home for some of the some of the established members of the core. But I think overall his his message has still resonated with the group, and I think Rick has done a really good job of you know, preaching accountability to the dip at times, maybe, of course it probably did. But overall, I think he's really done a good job of resonating with the group. But there have been times during this last month where, you know, he looked like he would, I wouldn't say he would look like he was out of answers, but he definitely was, had a lot of head scratching moments. And I think he changed his tone in terms of how he, you know, was doing a lot more propping up of the players rather than asking for a whole lot more when he talked about the responsibility of battling for first overall in the, in the Western Conference. So I think he's done a good job, but, you know, we'll find out ultimately in these last five games if if his approach and his evolution of that approach, um, you know, hit, struck a chord and allows him to get into the playoffs. Again, we can look at this roster as I did uh, before the season and, and understand that, uh, you know, whether it was the, the statement they made with Blake Wheeler's captaincy or just the fact that some contracts are going to be coming up and who stays and who goes. But does that fork in the road come a lot sooner missing the playoffs? And does that drag in Shevel Day off and to a certain extent bonus moving forward? Yeah, it's a great question, Kipper. I, I do think that missing the playoffs would be a bit of a nightmare for this group two years in a row. Uh, would be very costly at this time, knowing that contracts that you mentioned, and not just you know Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, um, you know uh, all those core pieces. So it would probably expedite things for sure. Even getting into the playoffs and squeaking in, maybe I think there there probably need to be some difficult decisions that are made uh, with the organization. But I mean, we, we've seen this before with the LA Kings. I mean. The similarities between the Jets and the Kings would be that, you know, the net minding. I mean, if the Jets get in and squeak in, they would have Connor Hellebuck, who can be the great equalizer. Now, does that impact the future decisions on some of those important players? I'm not sure, but I think they're, I think they're, the lot, let's just put it this way. I think the roster is going to look a lot different come the fall, and running it back is a lot less appealing for a team that's an eighth seed rather than a one or two seed, which is what they were looking like for a long time. So, what that looks like exactly, and I just don't see a rebuild happening here, guys. I and mean, look at the central division. There are a lot of teams already that have cast their lot in the, for lack of a better term, rebuilding or tanking mode. I don't see the Jets, you know, putting their casting their lot in that field, given they're already going to be a year or two behind most of those other teams. But 
having said that, if they don't get a couple extensions involved, they'll have no choice but to to make a couple moves, whether that's in the summer or prior to the deadline. And that's when things get really dicey because what if, what if all of a sudden the Jets are having a great season? Now you're going to tell me, oh, by the way, we're going to trade two of our best players because their contracts are ready to expire and they're not willing to extend. So uh, I would say the Jets are going to be one of the most active teams the week of the NHL draft. But uh, you know, a lot of that could still be determined by what happens in the next couple of weeks and maybe maybe months if they get to where they want to be you know it's uh, a lot of jobs hinge on you're making playoffs and not and Calgary's no different I assume you've been putting in some time looking at the flames and uh, what their team is all about what are your thoughts on what's going on there for a team that really had very high expectations I think going into the season yeah fascinating morning and, and sorry Kipper I- uh, as far as Rick Bonus, if the Jets are reloading, I think you could see him stick around. But this year has been really taxing on him uh, emotionally and mentally. I think he got COVID early, and and that's been a factor for him. But in terms of Calgary, Borny, uh, they've been one of the bigger disappointments in the year. There's no other. There's no other way to put it. Jacob Markstrom looks like he hasn't recovered from the playoff. Uh, you know, the playoff toll that was extracted from the series with the Oilers. Uh, on the back end, I think one thing that we don't talk about enough, and you know, I know he's not a marquee name, but not having Oliver Shillington, yes, I understand he was available on waivers, but he really established himself as a top four defenseman with the with the Flames last year. He's such a mobile guy. Uh, you know, it was a short summer for Nazem Kadri. We know about the issues that have been discussed about with him and Daryl Sutter. It's not really clicking super well. Uh, one guy who's had a great year is to Foley. But a lot of guys had, you know, drop back seasons and, and nobody bigger in that category than Jonathan Huberto, who is expected to be, you know, if not a hundred point guy, an eighty plus guy, and his production has dipped dramatically. And the guy he was in the trade for just so happens to be in the middle of the Hart Trophy race for second place. We know who's gonna win first place, but if if the Florida Panthers get in, Matthew Kachuk is right in the middle of the Hart race number two with guys like Jason Robertson and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantman and David Pasternak. So uh, Mackenzie Weger, the adjustment has been a little up and down there. And and the one thing we found out about the Flames in the playoffs, we're seeing again now. When they don't have Chris Tanev in the lineup, they don't defend defend nearly as well. And, and their scoring hasn't really been there. So uh, I'm fascinated to see both these two teams that are playing tonight, guys. They have been masters of inconsistency at times. And that's what court sort of created this turtle derby and whoever can play the best in these last four or five games respectively is going to be the team that punches their ticket unless there's a miracle finish for UC Soros and the Predators who don't seem to want to go away here in this race either. Can you mention uh, Tanev and what he means to, to Calgary? And then you watch uh, Matthias Eckholm added to the Edmonton Oilers lineup and you watch two struggling teams going at it tonight and it's as if Edmonton now has been like shot out of a cannon moving towards the playoffs. Are you, are you surprised or was it just plugging up a little bit of a deficiency on their blue line? Yeah, absolutely. And you, know, you guys know I've watched Ekholm so closely in the Central Division these last you know, decade plus here. He was such a smart addition. I know the Jets were in on him a couple of years ago before he signed the extension. Uh, he is a game changer, not only for what he brings. No, he's not the same player he was in 2018, either five years ago, but he's such a good partner for Evan Bouchard. Uh, and he's, he brings that physical element. He's not necessarily a massive open ice, open ice hitter like a Scott Stevens, but he plays such a firm and physical game. And it has allowed Darnell Nurse to go back into a manageable minute role. Uh, 
for the Edmonton Oilers, and that's benefited everyone. And I think he's made, you know, Kipper, you know this from being in those rooms, he's made everybody an inch or two taller and, and allowed them to stick out their chests a little bit more. And uh, we talk always about the Oilers and their two big guns, but I don't. I also don't think we're talking enough about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, the kind of year that he's going to have going from 69 as his career high to, you know, he's going to be eclipsing the century mark. And, for a team that didn't have enough secondary scoring for a long, long time, Nugent Hopkins has been really, you know, maybe as critical up front as as patching the hole on the back end with Matias Ekholm. One more, Kenny, before we let you go, and that is which team tonight shows up? Oh, man. I, if I knew that question, uh, uh, we'd have a much better answer. I think the Jets will land that right cross or that left cross while the Williams are looking for the right, the right, the right to the chin. But uh, I wouldn't, I uh, wouldn't say that confidently if, if folks were going to the, uh, you know, <laughs> to whatever betting line they may be going to. But I think the Jets are feeling better about themselves. And, and that was such a demoralizing loss for the Flames last night. But, you know, you know what they say about a wounded animal. <laughs> oh yeah. I constantly uh, work with two here. <laughs> hey, Ken, exactly exactly really appreciate your time thanks for doing this yeah i look forward to talking to you guys in the playoffs enjoy the, all the tilts and borny hope those uh, book sales continue to roll man thanks for sharing your story with everyone uh thanks so much ken appreciate it thanks for coming on man have a great day guys can we co-host of kenny and rennie show and uh with sean reynolds does a terrific job yep, yep. with uh sportsnet.ca as well so I don't know who uh, like we 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 had a, a very good conversation on yesterday's show with Eric Francis, mm. and like, Eric, no one's followed that team in Calgary more than him. Did he know or what? There was there was that twinge that in his voice that suggested that uh, maybe just maybe they were they <laughs> he, were coming on. Wow! But he knew. He, well, called, he, he called the Chicago thing pretty hard. He, uh, he, his eyes were wide open. Yes, that listen, and, and and he nailed it. That's embarrassing. Like you're at yeah. home. That's a team that's trying to lose actively. Actively, you have Peter Morazic in that, and you are set up to win that game to go into the biggest game of your year where you can turn the whole narrative around. Yeah, and they could not have looked more okay. like the Flames of this season. J- just, they just flamed it hard. Just before JB, you <laughs> jump in. I had a year with Hartford. We knew we were going to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The only ones that that hope that you know they you end up with a better draft pick are the guys upstairs that yeah, don't play. Right. No, you're right. It's I'm watching Boone Jenner last night. Playing hard. You know? Yes. Yeah. And I'm watching guys on Chicago. Uh, Athanasiu, I'm watching these guys go for it. What do I care? Yeah, what no, do I care what draft pick they have? Trying just, or not, you're supposed to be able to come overcome the crappy roster the teams play in that night, whether they're trying or not. Yeah, I just you know you've heard the expression when someone tells you who who they are, believe them, that yeah. sort of thing. Like the Flames have told us who they are 77 times, 78 times this year. Uh, they're. The, I, Francis doesn't believe in them, so it's hard to. No, the guy watches them every single night. And did you see the the Kadri play? Yeah, there was two of them. He had another one in the neutral zone. I, I mean, that looks like a group that can't wait for oh, the summer. Gosh, I'm I'm. I know some nights you just don't have it. And... No, I'm not putting it all on him. I'm just saying the relationship that they've had. But that's a guy that you expect to play 
a prominent role in a big game. Yes. Kadri, did yes. you hear Francis? I don't know if you guys heard Francis at intermission last night after Kadri's turnover. What did he say? They were, talk- they were talking about something else, and he was like, I got to stop you guys. I just got to say. That turnover by Cotter is unacceptable. Like, at this time of year, that moment, that lack of effort, like, he went out of his way to be like, that was brutal. And you know what? It was pretty brutal. It was brutal. Well, you know, like, let's yeah. have a little more, I don't know, take it seriously or whatever you want to call it. But Those guys just I'm, hate Sutter. I'm sure he's yeah. not getting abs vibes. You know what you think? Like, you it's think hard they're to the play. first well, group I... that's hated their coach no, but, but did not – Find a way no, to win. Right. Kipper, you know better, but I just mean like, you know what Valley said about Markstrom? Yeah. You know, it's like these guys are just like, do I want, like, there's probably a back of their mind. They're like, do we want to get in the playoffs here and potentially save this guy's job that we absolutely hate? That's just yeah. leaning on us every night. I don't know. I, I think it's such an toxic. I think hell. it's an easy out once you start losing for people to take that narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for sure. I, don't, I, I think guys should have too much. Guys are too selfish to think about the effect of losing on anyone else. They got to look at themselves and yeah. say, how, how does this losing affect me? Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't really matter, yeah. you know, whether or not we want to save a guy's job or not. Or we're, yeah. it's, you don't think about how that. How does it affect me? Yeah. Losing sucks for me. That's what it does. Yeah. Makes me look like a loser. Yeah. Makes, Makes me look like uh, I can't get another contract. Yeah. For Kadri, it's like I signed this massive contract to be the centerpiece of a team that's supposed to be a contender and I'm giving the puck away. He's not thinking about the coach when he's on the ice in that moment. So, anyways. But he's probably thinking about the coach when he sees the lineup and he's playing with Milan Lucic and, yeah. you know. Calgary, they're, Tyler Toffoli shouldn't be leading your team in scoring. No. Agree. Maybe, maybe goals yep. if, it's having, if he's having a career year, mm-hmm. but – the the lack of a, a game breaker, yeah. Well, is, that was supposed to be Huberto, right? It's, yes, yeah. And he is having his most miserable year. <laughs> He's having a rotten year. But outside of that, uh, you know, uh, Lynn Holmes' numbers are down. Yeah, he, he's he's he was one of the best centermen last year. Best line. Yeah, centered well, the best line last year. Yeah, I mean, playing with two of those guys probably helps your numbers a little bit. So it's a but tough he one. Was like a Selk, he got Selkie votes last year. He was close to winning that. Like, he's just been... Uh, what Do you know the what the betting guy. line is for tonight, Borning, by any chance? Like, do you have the stuff in front of you? Because I, I have, actually don't know. I, I, like, I guess the back-to-back that the Jets would be favored. But, like, this is a real something's-got-to-give scenario where two teams that love to lay eggs and play badly. Like, I have no idea what to expect out of this one tonight. I got the Jets. Jays with Manoa on the mound in this game, back and forth. Oh, baby, what a sports night. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Uh, Jets 139, Flames plus 118. So, so yeah, pretty, yeah. Jets are favored, yeah. Yeah. But not that heavily. No. Um, because the books I, are like, we have no idea. Yeah, no one's any good. No. I sent you guys a random tweet about uh, the Arizona Coyote situation. They're now suing the city of Phoenix for interfering Mm. in their Tempe plans. Like, guys. Just put one in Old Town Scottsdale. That'll get everybody going. Uh, I know that that area pretty well. Put a bar down down there. We'll have some fun. Anyways, this is enough. I'm enough of this. Enough of this. I did write last week that... uh, uh, did I tell you that Connor Bedard? He'll he'll go there. He'll, yeah, 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 yeah. Would you think 
They've lost eight in a row, by the way. Yeah. Do you think that the PA and the league can find how somehow not <laughs> let them get there? The opposite of the frozen envelope, the hot envelope. Like if they, <laughs> if, they if they if they became the bad guys and said, it, he's just he's not good for us to drive revenues up in in Arizona. We gotta we gotta stick him in Chicago or somewhere. Well, I think the initial reaction would be that's a da- dangerous precedent to set in terms of not letting him go there. But this situation has no parallel, right? Like, there's no, you know, it's... The fact that they're not even trending towards getting a rink. No. There's lawsuits against them, and they're suing the city about the idea of even getting permission to build. How big is old Gare's ego? Just get him out of there, man. Admit defeat. It's done. It's over. Move them. Somewhere. Where, where were we last with them? There was a vote uh, in the hands of the people. Yeah. To... Temp- Tempe, yeah. Yeah. And it didn't work out so no, well. didn't work out. Nothing's working out. Move them to London, Ontario. They're getting 20,000 people a night. Like, it's just, it's insane to me. Well, it's too close to Toronto. At least never let that happen, but. Houston seems to be a very popular uh Great. Town. Another place where it's going to fail. Listen, Sick. if you want, if you want to do a warm giant market, Houston makes sense more than does Phoenix it? does. They can't. Well, I don't know. Another team, like, do they even sell out their basketball team? Like, it's just why put this, hockey where hockey is? Yeah, like, is this really going to grow the game more? It's like they get they've been getting pretty consistent numbers, people watching the game for a long time. Like, yeah, why don't you just give it to people who like it? Yeah, that, this is going to put a lot of pressure on the NHL now. To uh, I, where do you go from here? If you Quebec cannot City. find a place to, to build, you have to get them out. It's a, this is one of if, the biggest things yeah. that pisses me off in the world. Is this Phoenix Coyotes situation or Arizona Coyotes situation that we have to talk about this? Like every so while, about once a month, this bubbles up, and I'm just like, we're still doing this. Just move them to where people like hockey. It's not that hard. <laughs> There's a ton of markets in, like, move them back to your beloved Hartford. Like, I don't care. Like, somewhere other than <laughs> the South. People don't like hockey there. They don't care. Like, they care more about yeah. golf and college football in Arizona than they do about hockey. That's for sure. Anyways. Uh, May 16th, there's something going on, a referendum. In- uh, referendum. Referendum? Referendum. Re- a referendum? <laughs> yes. A referee. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't uh, know. I tried to block this out. I have no idea. Last night I said on Lee's talk that the Coyotes were hot, and then I looked and they'd lost eight in a row, so that tells you how little I pay attention to the Coyotes. I just yeah. blocked them out. I block them out. I don't want... <sighs> the one thing that's good, though, is that Austin Matthews is not going there. So you can cross that one off the list. It's a plus. You know what would be interesting, though, is like even if he ended up going there, would it really change anything? No. Can one guy go in there and... Absolutely and, not. Well, it, one guy went into Philadelphia and built a new rink. You know, one guy went into Pittsburgh and eventually uh, built a new rink. I mean, guys yeah. guys can do it. Yeah, but... Superstars uh, can do it. Franchise players can do it. It's a great I, question, but I don't think so. I would look at that the same way as I look at Johnny Goodrow going to Columbus or something. Oh, really? Like, yeah, same. I'd be like, no. we don't quitter. We no, don't quitter. I think you don't one win? guy could get somebody excited there. 
Nah. Yeah, and get a rink. They're last, almost the last place team in the league. Like, when are they going to be good? Five years from now? He's not going to try to win during his prime? No, I'm just not. Uh, they traded a defenseman who's, what, like 25 with three years left on his contract for nothing. Like, yeah. what are they even doing? Are you trying to win? I just, no. uh, please, for the love of God, move yeah. them to Canada. Or move them to, I don't know, Hartford. What do they like hockey in America? Move another team to another Minnesota, in Minnesota. St. <laughs> Paul and Minneapolis. Put them somewhere where they care. It's not I that hard. Yeah. I don't think Gary would ever look at Canada again right now. It's rude. It upsets me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. Put it in Quebec City. There's a rivalry you, built in. You could put. Imagine you, Hamilton. You could do the LA thing and put a team at Scotia, a second one at Scotiabank oh, yeah. Arena. Guess who would not let that happen? I, I know could that's you, not going to happen, and I know the Leafs would hate it, but you in, could. Put one in Vaughn. Could you do something like with what like the Rays and and did with Montreal and baseball, where you say they're going to be in Quebec City till they have a rink in Phoenix? They're just going to play in Videotron in front of eighteen thousand people until you figure it out in Phoenix. Then we'll send them back and figure it out from there. Like that's the crazy part is there's actually just a rink that's ready, Built. and it's yes. like and it's in a city where. They really like hockey there. It's like you yeah. just move them there. You got to sell out every night. You get to rebrand. You got to you got the Nordiques back. That's an I don't want to talk anymore. And it just pisses right. me off. Good, good it puts talk. me in circles. Okay, and it just upsets me. Right. Anyways, you guys want to Oilers? Oilers three one over LA. Mm-hmm. That's the matchup. Mm-hmm. Now they're in head, now they're ahead of them. Home ice advantage. What kind of statement in the last two uh, wins against L.A. did they did the Oilers make? So, Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell have combined to stop 99 of 100 shots in the last three games for the Oilers. The Oilers' one goal against ties their franchise record for any three-game span in a single season. So now they're not letting in goals either? <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> yeah, like now they're really looking dangerous. I know yeah. we talked about... Matias Ekholm mm-hmm. a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think every contending team out there should be kicking himself, including the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, I, and it, McCabe's no, okay. It's a McCabe's fair okay, take, but he is not. Ekholm. No, you're right. He, he's not there. And I think it was just trying to play both sides. Middle it. Yeah. And you can't. You can't play both sides in a flat cap when you're trying to contend right now. You're either... All in or you're all out. I, I think Ekholm was the guy that would have made a bigger impact for the Leafs. Listen, I want to sit here and say you're wrong, Kip, but you're not. I We talked about how many times did we talk about Ekholm for two years before he was traded about how that's a guy that we would just love on the Leafs back end. That's a guy that just would fit perfectly. And he got out of there and everyone always kind of having a down year. And he goes out of there, goes to a contending team, and all of a sudden he's just a stud. But I don't think they chose Ekholm over McCabe, or sorry, McCabe over Ekholm. They chose Ryan O'Reilly and Achari yeah. over Ekholm. Yeah, they chose to prioritize a different yeah. part of their lineup. Listen, yeah, you can you can skin it any way you want, uh, but you 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 didn't get them. You didn't you didn't make yeah. it a priority. I'm sure the Leafs are not like you said. I'm sure the Leafs are not the only team watching this kicking themselves. I mean, look at Tampa. They're probably like, oh my God, how could we have made it work to get him on the books instead of trading a draft class for Tanner Janot, who has one goal in however many long. Although I'm not making fun of them yet because the playoffs hasn't started and he's going to get a big goal yeah. against the Leafs. But I just, there's a lot of teams that probably are pretty 
pissed off themselves for not yeah. going deeper on Ekholm well, because, boy, he's been amazing. Listen, we, we, we spoke of uh, New Jersey kicking Pittsburgh's ass last night. Kicked them out. Kicked okay. them ass. Yeah. It's, like, it's not even close. No. Not even close. Like, you go and sign... Uh, you sign uh, Malkin mm-hmm. and Latang, and your statement alone on those signing is, "We got to win now." Yeah, and Pittsburgh doesn't go and get Ekholm. Yeah, you know, I think that's the complaint, and had been the complaint about Ron Hextall is he's very like prospect and draft obsessed. Hey, and I got news for him. In. Yeah, pay you, the you tab know, later. The, the, those first rounders. Mean crap to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, who is having another unbelievable season. And like, you're wasting it. Yeah. It's a wait. Like he's, so, he's got 88 points in 78 games this year, Sid. You, wow. you wasted yeah. Sid Crosby's year. You wasted resigning Malkin and Latang because you want to protect first rounders. It's insane. It's, but I mean, say what you will about Jimmy Rutherford, his whole tenure there. He traded the boat every trade deadline to acquire guys every single year. And, like, you know, we can talk about his Vancouver exploits, but while he was there, he understood that and just traded. Like, you think of all the guys they got at deadlines, Aginla, uh, Marion Hosa. Like, you know, they would just be trading all their picks for these guys. You know, Kunitz, they, I, maybe that was pre, maybe that was pre, but they just always went all in at the deadline with Sid, which and, is what you should do. And, when Jimmy Rutherford left, he left those guys a mess. For sure. A but, mess. Yeah, but he also left with hardware. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, but that, I'll that was, deal with a mess but, but, any day. But how long ago? Quite a while. Yeah, 20, quite a while. 2017? Yeah, yeah. 2017? Like, you leave a mess uh, two years, three years later, but six or seven years later? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. You know, the, that's another big, team like that's Carolina for that's me. That's how deep the hole was. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No, at least, you know, at least we're not sitting here and the Leafs decided Tampa Bay is just too good to go in, which I will remind some people on this show was a conversation I fought back against once upon a time. The Tampa's just too good and it's not worth it. At least the Leafs did at least get somewhat aggressive, if not fully aggressive. No, hey, I was fully on that boat. Absolutely. But I guess what? Uh, there's the first time for everything. I was wrong mm. about that. <laughs> so Pitts lost last night. Yeah. Slides the Florida Panthers right in there. Yeah, so I think I'm just looking at the standings here now. It's uh, the Panthers are in the first wild card spot. Yeah. Uh, Borny's beloved Islanders holding on for absolute dear life at uh, 87 points. They're tied. And Pittsburgh's one point back of eight with 86. So it's, you know, Islanders have lost two in a row here now. It's going to be a really, really compelling finish here. Do those teams play each other at all? No, the the thing that's interesting too is regulation wins, right? Regulation or overtime wins is the first tiebreaker. Pittsburgh has far fewer than Florida and the Islanders, so they actually have to finish a point up on those teams, which is another twist. Islanders have Tampa Bay tomorrow, and then they finish Flyers, Capitals, Canadians. So they they, they should be able to get some points. I don't know if they play because I didn't get my colorful oh, remaining schedule for my producer set. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the only time I get anything colorful is off the NHL uh, <laughs> remaining games on respective playoff teams. And you want more was, colors? Was, I could add some colors for you, bud. I, J- listen, JB was so excited 
about being on the show in one of the big boy seats. Uh, no, I actually prefer <laughs> behind the glass. And my, I really do. Like, you know, you guys have offered me multiple times to sit in here with you, and I prefer not to do it. But when yeah. you're not here, Borny, I like to sit in and, and help you out. But oh, I appreciate I, it. Listen, I can add multiple colors to your little booklet over there if you want. Okay. Okay. All right. Tomorrow you'll be you'll be Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat on your I love it. On your lineup. Mark, <laughs> Just... Mark Andre Fleury will be in the playoffs for the seventeenth consecutive season. Amazing. Wow. And I it's a nice run. And I feel so bad for Sid if they miss. Because he's Sid's got a run 16? going. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, Hey listen. Get in and get swept. Just a friendly reminder. Every time someone writes him off, I know, comes back and just finds a way. I know, and I, I am a, a Mike Sullivan fan too. Me too. So Pittsburgh's road ahead is not that bad. I mean, it's what do you got? Wild Red Wings, Blackhawks, Blue Jackets. Hmm. So, I mean, Red Wings, Blackhawks, Blue Jackets are games they should get. It's just Minnesota tomorrow night. That is the only playoff team left for them. And then. Florida, uh, where's Florida? Florida's got Ottawa, Washington, and then the Ottawa Leafs can mess and- Florida up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely for sure. And they, they finished Leafs, Hurricanes, Florida. Yeah. So, um, and the Caps are officially out for the first time in eight years. They're not in the playoffs. Ov. Yeah, that'll be interesting off season for them. Yeah. Love what they did at the deadline, though, hey? Like, have you ever seen a team pivot that hard and just say, all right, we're going to stink now? Didn't work out for us. I think, uh, you know, when they have to strip it down this offseason, when they have to trade Tom Wilson to the Leafs. You know, Kipper? Wilson might be a guy they do trade, guys. You know, but like he, he's... They're not where gonna are they going to fit Tom Wilson and his $5 million? When there's 5.166 a, when, when, for they just, when, they, there's a, when there's a fresh set of eyes looking at this some, roster. They, they, July 1st, they got to stroke some big checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. That, they, that's the focus. Yeah. Maybe. There's, I don't know. I, when there's a fresh set of eyes looking at the Leafs roster, you never know what's going to happen. Think, you think Ovi just what? upped five years there and he's going to let Tom Wilson walk out the door? Well, he's Ooh. not going to let him walk out the door, but the general manager might. I think Ovi's more, <laughs> Is he like LeBron? Ovi's more the general manager there than even Brian is. Yeah, LeBron is he so he's like LeBron. He builds the team just Buddy, like him. Yeah. He he is he is the team. There would be no more popular he'd be the next Wendell Clark, Tom Wilson if he played in Toronto. He'd be the most popular guy in the history of the league. Yeah, I like I, I, he would Oh yeah. He would command so much in a trade, which is why they might do it. Like you know, get good salary. Look what Jano got. Listen, yeah. we, we, what are you guys like? We just had a conversation on on Sid getting totally screwed over this year with mm-hmm. not going for it. Yeah, where do you think Ovi is going to let Washington trade Tom Wilson? Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not. <laughs> Aren't they like best friends? Like, no, there's just no chance. You're right. Kipper's right. All right. Well, too bad. I can dream on that for a bye second. Bye bye caps. No. Yeah, Josh Anderson is another one that uh, Montreal could let go. Yeah, no thanks. No, no. He's a poor man's Tom Wilson. Yeah, but he does. He's not. Doesn't have the cachet of Tom Wilson. He's not going to run you through the end glass like Tom Wilson is. Kipper likes him. I don't mind him. I don't mind him. But yeah, I'd like 
him to be more consistent for sure. So a couple of good games in the docket tonight, boys. Calgary, you, Winnipeg. What do you think of Tampa Bay and, and the Rangers tonight? I, you know me, boys. I always got my pre scout going. I'm I've been <laughs> yeah. watching I've been watching Tampa a lot. Vasilevsky back in tonight. Yeah, but uh, and it's two guys, two of the best goalies in the league going head to head. Tampa. I just am really fascinated watching them every night and their pursuit of trying to, you know, make that game on next Tuesday matter against the Leafs yeah. for home ice advantage, which I don't think it's going to, but uh, they could help tonight with a win. Yeah, we'll have an eye on that. We'll be watching Calgary Winnipeg, which is available on Sportsnet tonight. I don't know which uh, channel because I don't know those sorts of things, but you know, it's on <laughs> Sportsnet. Go. And uh, I could have put that in the colorful lineup for you, morning. And uh, the Jays with their second must-win game in a row tonight. Are we, Al- Alec Manoa on the bump. The are, we, are we good now? Are well, we feeling better? They didn't ma- give up nine. No, their pitching looked really good last night. Hey, here's here. Uh, you say Kikuchi to save the day last night, just like everybody had on their bingo card. Pitched yeah. excellent, five strong yesterday. Yeah, got the he, win. He has. He plays every other year. Wow. He. We're gonna catch him on the good year now. He's got ninety-seven nice. at the top of the zone. He's chalking it pretty nice yes. on the left side. So, good, good sports night tonight. And when do we uh, open up here in uh, for the Jays next? Uh, uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Same Are night. You going? As, same night. As, no. Leafs. Leafs, baby. What game's that? Leafs and Bolts. Oh. Why would I want to go to the home opener? I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather watch meaningless just hockey. Say, just say you can't get tickets. <laughs> just say the truth. Yeah, I could. Nobody's invited you. Yeah, that's true. Okay, our thanks to Steve Valaket and Ken Weeb. Uh, enjoy the, the big game, Jets and the Flames. We're back tomorrow, Real Kipper and Bourne.